Hey guys, welcome back to Celebrate the Struggle, and it is Thursday. Happy Thursday. What up, wild man? What's going on? Not much. I've been looking forward to talking to you. I know I've tried to send you messages throughout the week, and it's been a different week for you. So I wanted to kind of touch base with you. For those of you that haven't been listening, um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about the process of filing a claim with the VA and we wanted to capture uh, Perry's experiences as he's going through it right now because there's quite a few people that haven't done it might be thinking about it or maybe they're in the midst of it as well and so the last time we had talked to Perry we kind of chatted with him a little bit about community cares but this week he had his CMP which for those of you that don't know what that is it's basically like an evaluation, right? Where a complete stranger evaluates what they think about you. And yours got off to an interesting start, eh? Yes. And I had to look it up also because Serena asked what CNP stood for. So it's what, compensation, it compensation and pension exam. So mm. when you make a claim and file it, they call they'll set you up for your CNP exam. And so I, when I filed like in late December, which was funny, I, we talked about this maybe in the first one or the second one, because they like FedEx you an appointment yeah. and like they FedEx me appointment that wasn't even close to working for my schedule. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, I called to reschedule it and they said, Oh yeah, we rescheduled it. And then if you pull up, um, the VES CMP exam, it shows that I missed it. I'm like, oh, that's funny. And they're like, they actually just confirmed my next one. I have another CMP exam March 9th. So I'm through two and have my third. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll find out what's going on. So CMP exam one, I did virtually. It was in my basement. It went well. I mean, I think that's kind of what they've got to now. Oh, what do you know? I'm getting a call from Danville right now, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hold on one second. I got to take this. Okay. You know, this. So before you continue on talking about the first one and those after, so do I understand, right, the reason why you have more than one is because for each, like, ailment I guess you could call it don't you have like that you're claiming you know whether it's your back don't you have to have one appointment for each thing well uh, that's kind of what Sean said um but I believe this appointment was just a second appointment Mm -hmm. um for PTSD so that that's kind of you know between one and two I'll try to keep it short but this um, last appointment was in Champaign at a lady's office that I'd obviously never been to. Didn't know where it was. It was at two o'clock. I don't get off of work till two forty-five. So I applied for a sick day, and it was always my understanding at my work that you had to take uh, time off and four-hour slots or whatever. So I got four hours off for a sick day and um, scheduled that. So. I kind of had time to like gather myself after work, which I thought was important. Um, I gave myself plenty of time to drive over there. I think I got to Champagne at like 1220 or uh, 1.20 in the afternoon. And so I swung by 
the I swung by I'm sorry I'm getting another call (laughs) I don't need to take it but it's beeping in my ear and I can't think so just hit mute for a second again so you set yourself up for success like I I want to point that out there because as we go on in the future and we wanted to you know talk about um like coping but like in order to cope well you also have to set yourself up for success and you did that by like giving yourself time after work you were doing all these things to try and not feel totally stressed out and so right. you get to champagne keep going you know and and so I have a fairly stressful job so and truthfully I thought it was the rules so I got off at 10 45 come to find out like a few weeks later when I scheduled March 9th she's like oh no if you only need two hours off we can do that well then I kind of that kind of stressed me out because I didn't change it. But so I got off at 1045. I went home and switched cars out and got the nice car because we've been having car problems and drove over to Champagne 20 a time. I ate a good lunch before I went in. And like, you know, I don't know. It's like getting ready for it, it, I feel like I prepare oh tried to over prepare rather than under prepare mm-hmm. um so that I could be like in the frame of mind that I wanted to be for the exam right um which is not the easiest place for me to get to because when you go to these CNP exams it re- you need to treat it like it's your worst day mm-hmm. and and everybody says that and that is a whole different thing. Like I try to never get in that place. Um, so I, I kind of had to prepare for that, I guess you would say. Um, and by doing that, over-preparing, getting there early. Um, I actually had a conversation with Mackie on the way and just was like, just spilling all kinds of stuff. And he's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't sound like you're very good, Perry. And I was like, no, I'm really good. And he's like, no, it doesn't sound like you're good. And I'm like, you know what, Mackie, you're right. I'm just barely getting by. Mm-hmm. And that was like the last part of the phone conversation. So I go in, like I said, I got way there early. I didn't try to go in the office um, until like one thirty, And then I wandered around the office talking to Mackie and I found the bathroom and went to the bathroom. I'd already went to the gas station, got a little soda. And so anyways, it's like, let's say 135 or 140, um, I walk in the office. And your appointment's at and, 2, right? And my appointment's at 2. Okay. And so, like, as soon as I walk in, like, there's a little bell that jingles, and she comes right out of the back, and she's like, oh, I'm just so sorry. I am way behind. Uh, you know, it's going to be at least, like, 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And, you know, I, I try not to be, like, super giddy happy perry you know like i try to keep keep that even kilter it's a bad day and i just answer with okay it's fine i know my appointment's not till two Mm o'clock and so she's like well there's sodas uh she goes there's a bathroom right outside i was like okay thank you i i actually already went to it and she's like okay well there's also drinks right down you can get a coffee if you want i was like um, thank you for the offer. I stopped at the gas station right before I came here and I got a soda. And so it was like, almost like she was putting me off, like go do something else. Because yeah. I'm definitely not going to be ready till two o'clock. So I sat down 
I'm thinking it's no big deal. I'll play solitaire on my phone. Um, no, there's absolutely no internet. There's no phone signal in the lobby. She's got 90.9 symphony music on an old school radio. And I film like in like the 1970s doctor's office. Oh my God. I feel like I'm we like, went okay. to the same yeah. one. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is wild. Okay. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm just praying my phone will start to work. I'm trying to access a bunch of different Wi-Fi's. Of course, I don't have the password. So anyways, the longest 20 minutes of my life. And I've, I'm probably a little overdressed. I was, you know, already kind of heated up, but I had a coat on and a couple shirts, one of my fishing shirts and then undershirts, you know, and she comes back out at two and she's like, I just want to let you know, I'm so sorry. It's just been a really busy day. I'm way behind and it's still going to be a few more minutes. And I'm like, okay, so this is probably at two o'clock. I would say straight up too, but it had de definitely been 15 or 20 minutes. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll be right here. I don't know what else I can do. Uh, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking the whole time, like, have to be nice. It's your worst day, but you have to be nice. This mm -hmm. lady controls what happens in the next two hours of your life. And I'm like, so be nice. Don't get upset. Calm yourself. I'm like, literally, it goes through my mind, like, I feel like they're testing me right now. And so yeah. that's like the first time this pops in. So she closes the door and I'm thinking, you know, like, are you, no one's walked in or out of the office. I've been there for over 30 minutes in the building. I don't even know that someone had been in the building, but we're on the second floor. And so I sit for like another five minutes and I'm like, man, I got, I go to the bathroom again or something. And then I come out, I get super fidgety. Phone's not working. Can't get on Wi-Fi. I really think they're testing me. And then I hear a microwave door close and I hear beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, hmm, she is so slammed right now. She's going to go ahead and make a lean cuisine. Boy, that's awesome. So six minutes. So we know, I know it's six minutes and I'm thinking, how long is this going to be? Cause surely she's not going to eat in front of me. Right. Not that I was hungry or anything, because I over-prepared for this, so I've already <laughs> had lunch. I probably would have said, no, Dr. Maynard, I really don't need any lean cuisine. Thanks, though. <laughs> so, still trying to stay calm. Deep breath, not too deep a breath, not trying to do anything weird. I'm, like, looking around for cameras. I'm like, I bet they are testing me. So, I literally, like, look in every corner, and I'm like, is this, like, odd-shaped clock like a camera? Is she, you know comes so the dinger goes off I'm like okay comes back out and she's like hey I, I i am i'm really sorry um but uh you know we're gonna get this thing going real quick goes back behind the locked door hear the microwave door open hear a little salt shaker hear a little pepper like are you now i'm like all i can see is red this isn't going to be good remember this is objective Remember, you need to be nice. Remember, you can't cuss at the psychiatrist or clinical psychologist, I believe was her title. And now I'm like thinking about leaving work early and I'm like, just not good. I'm not in a good place. So worst day was going real good at this point. Mm -hmm. I think this is when I started texting you and Serena and I'm like losing my business and 
I'm like, I can't even believe this. So she took said lean cuisine out. I assume I didn't see the package when I went in because if I would have saw it, I would have lost my shit. And um, she took it out of the microwave and she ate. And so let's just say, call it 2.30. You can figure that timeline out. I've now been sitting for 40 to 50 minutes in a small room with no internet. I'm a super fidgety person that likes to do 12 things at once. And literally I'm staring at the wall in the 1970s doctor's office with symphony music played like um mozart's 12th symphony concerto by clarinet boy this is just an amazing piece i wish they would have had clarinets like this back then and i'm like i'm gonna lose my i i i I didn't know what was gonna happen so i got pulled into the office um along those 40 minutes i did tell her when she came out i said i need you to help me remember that I need a doctor's note. I had to miss part of work and I just need a doctor's note. That's like, says that I had a doctor's appointment uh, with you today. So Mm -hmm. that, so that I can be excused from work. So if you can sit one out or something. So, Oh, she gets done with dinner and she comes out and she's like, Mr. Perry, I don't think they have you set up for the right interview. So I don't know how you want to go from here. And I'm like, I don't even know how to respond. Mm-hmm. I want to scream and I want to be like, what do you mean? You don't know. How many of these have you done? I hope this isn't your first. And I didn't assume it was her first because she felt like it was wrong. And that I needed an initial PTSD exam, which was actually the one that I did virtually. And this was supposed to be a review and I was scheduled for a review, but I don't know this much information until after. And she looks at me and she's like expecting answers out of me on whether I feel like she's doing the right thing. And then she tells me, you know, I don't want to waste your time, which, you know, if I wasn't really behaving, I would have absolutely exploded when she said that, Mm -hmm. but I'm sitting there thinking, be objective. She controls a lot right now. I looked at her and I said, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. I just got sent a piece of paper and left a voicemail that said I was supposed to be here at two o'clock and I'm here. And so I don't know what you want to do, but I want to do whatever they ordered, I guess. Or if you feel like you should call them, then I guess you can go, yeah, I think that's what we should do. She goes behind locked door again. I hear her call and it's like on speakerphone, like she wanted me to hear. And it's like LHI, cause there's two different CNP people. There's LHI and there's VES. And I can tell you that it's terrible to work with both of them. Um, VES, I was on the phone for at least an hour. I canceled appointment, told him I, you know, I really need to talk to someone to schedule an appointment because I work a very odd shift, um, six days on, two days off, six days on, three days off. And the girl's like, well, we just don't do that. Can you do a weekend interview? And I'm like, ma'am, I don't have weekends off. I have two days off and then I work six and then I have three days off. So one week I might have Monday, Tuesday off. The next week I have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
then the next week I have Thursday, Friday. And so, no, we can't just schedule it for a weekend or we're going to run into the same problem. Well, they absolutely will not take phone calls. So I don't know what that means for you, Mr. Perry. And I'm like, great. So that means just call off, stick to work, I guess, so you can go to your CMP exam. Well, my work does work with me. They give me a sick day. She calls LHI. And this is how the first hour of the exam goes. You know, we haven't even started, and I'm in a very, very special place, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And then they hit you up with the same exact questions that you've been asked, like, a million times, which, you know, aren't the greatest questions. And, you know, I absolutely failed the first exam whenever I did it in Danville in, say, what, 2018? Because... When I left that exam, he like, uh, I felt like he gave me that like attaboy speech after your senior night basketball game in high school. And he, you know, like if he could and it was appropriate, he would have slapped me on the ass and like, yeah, Perry, everything's good. You're not going to hurt yourself. Iraq didn't change you. Just keep on keeping on, buddy. You are good. That's how I felt, right? so we're just going through the same thing. You don't know if you're answering the questions um, properly or not properly. Um, it's not a real normal thing to be talking about with a complete stranger. And then for me, I'm just like extremely emotional. I, I Truthfully, I'm extremely emotional. Because it's all been emotional. building up for so long. 17, 17, 18 years, you know, you go through this process. Whenever I had the first exam, I didn't even want to ever step foot in a VA again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I, I had been meeting with the social worker. I had switched social workers. And then I'm like, I'm going to make my, my claim. Well, then I make my claim. And, you know, this guy gives me this attaboy. And he's like, nothing changed. And, and I actually called Mackie after that on the way home from Danville and <laughs> and I remember that question that that ride home like it was yesterday because it was like oh yeah but Steve I mean nothing nothing has changed I mean I went to Iraq and it has no lasting effect on me however I don't sleep through the night it's not medically related to sleep apnea or restless leg or wind syndrome no one can tell me why I don't sleep but yeah, Iraq didn't change me at all. I'm exactly the same, which is not the case. No. Uh, I, I get very upset over the littlest things, probably say things that I like to take back a lot because of that short fuse, very loud, can't sleep, um, you know, different things like that. You call the VA, like a whole thing of like anxiety sits in, um, just hearing that message. Just oh, yeah. hearing the old VA line message is like the worst. If you tell me I have to call the VA, I'm thinking about like, do I like have to do it today uh-huh. or can I do it like, you know, right before I die or <laughs> right before, you know, like some, you know, can you like warn me if we're going to have a tornado? I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm just going to push that call off till then. That That would just be better. Right. You know, all this stuff is going on. So we go through the exam and it went fine. I was very emotional like normal. And it comes down to 
oh, you're a 911 operator and you don't ever have problems at work? You know, like explain yourself, please. Because if you're in your CNP exam and you've had a job for more than like two years, they think you're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And how, in, how you explain to them well, for me, how I explain to them how I can do a stressful job and answer 911 and not have issues or anxiety or, um, you know, bouts of screaming or flying off the handle is, is not easy to articulate in good terms as far as PTSD goes. You know, I've talked to, I guess one of the things that I talk about with new trainees um, at work is about how to deal with the stressors of the job because obviously we've been back from Iraq for 18 years and we all deal with the stressors of Iraq different ways. I drink a lot. Uh, that's always fun to, to ask, to answer those questions in your CNP exam. You know, I just kind of went out. I'm a trainer at work now, which I definitely didn't tell them at my exam because that would have been another notch oh, yeah. for them to be like, you're personally fine. Oh, so you work at 911, you're a trainer, you're an EMDQ, you're, you know, like, you don't want to tell them that you're the best whatever occupation you have because they'll hold all of that against you. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Objectively, you, it, it's terrible for all veterans that are going through this. It's been 18 years and I still can't sleep. How, why does that matter with 911? And, and the, that, that's the, the question they're trying to figure out because they're trying to pin it on something outside of your service that happened outside of your service and not while we are in Iraq. Yeah. Well, I can articulate what happened in Iraq. Um, going to my meetings with Dr. Levine and Matt Toon, I have submitted any kind of writing that I did, like on the September 5th right. that situation stuff that is happened easy. at the barracks. That stuff's yeah. easier so would, to, to articulate. Yeah, it's not easy to, articulate, to ar- right? It's not easy to articulate to someone that, like, I don't know why I'm able to do my job and do it damn well, and then I come home and unleash the beast on my family triggered by the smallest thing you know or right or well, you know and for me the the good thing that happens that i've been working with these trainees and, and the fact of the matter is i'm like we walk through three locked doors if you don't feel safe in the radio room after you go through three locked doors and you have a locked security fence and you literally have a radio in your ear that you could transmit over and be like help and everyone that heard that on the radio is going to be headed to your center or your workplace mm-hmm. um you know that you should feel a sense of security and i do at work i don't i don't ever worry about what's going to happen to me at work physically if there's any question it would be what's going to happen emotionally and i haven't taken a call that's had any kind of ptsd um, and part of that is dealing with the stress of the job. And I tell the trainees, you walk those through those three locked doors and whatever you're bringing into work that stresses you out, your wife, your kids, your dog, just leave it right there at the door, first, second, or third. Now you're in the radio room. It's business time, time to answer 911, time to listen to the police radio, 
And it's a whole different mindset for the eight hours you're there or the 12 hours you're there. It really is. It's all about helping your community and you have to go to that place. Just like, you know, you train for it. It's just like when we trained at drill or when we trained at basic training, you get in that training. Now it's not, it's game time, right? So you do that. When you leave, you unhook your headset, you take it out of your ear. And when you walk back through those three locked doors, you leave everything that just happened at work right there at the front door. And what I'll challenge all of my trainees is that whatever you brought in that day, maybe you'll have some sense of, man, that was silly. You know, I, maybe you dealt with a call and you helped someone out and you're like, man, see, my life's not bad. You know, the, uh, Raina writing her name on the wall is not a big deal, you know? Um, and so you can, you can think about it that way. Or you can think about, you don't even really think about it. You're like, I don't even know what I was doing before work. And then once you get done with all the calls earlier in your career, you might have some of those calls where you're like, man, when I get back to shift tomorrow, I'm pulling that report up. I got to find out what's going on. You might be messaging officers, but because you want some kind of, you want some kind of completion on what happened and that's something that dispatchers don't always get unless they seek it out Um, but the farther you go into your career the less you do that really because it's not good for you to hold on to any of that and I can't even remember the last time I left work and thought man I'm going to check that up uh, tomorrow or the next day sometimes reports aren't done for a few days and you know I'll even get calls and you know, people know I can't give them information. They know that the, I'll lose my job. They still, hey, were you working this night? What happened? You know, and it, it's still the same thing. No, I wasn't working and I wasn't there. So I really don't know what's happened. I don't run into work and look that up and be like, oh, man, that was a big deal. Like, this sounds so, this is not meant to be any way. Don't take this out of context. But like, what's going on? in the news right now whatever is going on in the news for you right now i don't need to read it i go to 911 and news for me is live up to date for eight to 12 hours and as soon as i clock out i try to watch zero news Uh uh-huh i would that's how i feel (laughs) i mean because you know the weather's bad i drive to work i get there just fine i've been driving in snow and ice i don't know for about 39 years since i've not that long because I didn't drive when I was a baby, but I feel like I could drive better than some people when I was a baby. And then we got 15 accidents in four hours on last Thursday when I'm trying to go to vacation. And I'm like, have these people not lived in Illinois their whole life? I mean, and that's live up to date. That's live up to date news here. We've got 15 accidents in four hours on the same slippery roads we've had in Illinois since the beginning of time. Sorry, well, I, really I appreciate long. you getting into the space to share that with us you know i'm grateful to be your friend and so you were messaging me that day you know like i'm gonna explode oh my god i just heard the microwave now she's going to the bathroom dear lord and i was oh i forgot that yeah i was thinking like oh my gosh like she and i it's i'm it does make you wonder if they're testing you like that but um Good grief. It's just so wild that if they're not testing you, then people that are in those situations should really reconsider the, you know, what the people that are coming to see them. And and, I mean, you're, 
you're a clinical psychiatrist lady. I don't know. I'm not trying to be bogus and like talk down on people's stuff, but I hope that things continue to move in the right way. Like I'm trying to do some research myself because I want to educate myself on how PTSD affects the physical body. And it is true how much it affects your uh, like serotonin and like the different chemicals that come out in your body, your cardiac uh, state, your respiratory, you know, all of that. So I hope as, but I did also read that, um, PTSD wasn't even like acknowledged in the like medical manual, the big manual till the DSM until 1980. So, and it wasn't until they finally put it in the DSM that all these people started challenging it and started doing all this research and then boom, now in the last 40 years, now we're starting to see the research come around and, and it does affect your physical body and well for sure and you know one of the things is and you can look up the history on this because i never have but i've always heard that um they called it something different after every war like yes, after World like war shell II, shock they called it shell shock yeah and then after vietnam they called it something else yep and it's like so, and then finally in the 80s, they're like, well, let's just call it for what it is. It's post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And it happens at war. And it, and it happens, truthfully, it happens to officers on really bad yeah. calls. It happens on, to dispatchers. And like you said, physically, it does affect people. Mm -hmm. um, I am so, I can't remember the name of um, what it's called, but... One of the big pushes in 911 when I went to the national conference, I won a scholarship a few years ago, pre COVID, um, in 2019. And the big push out at all of the 911 conferences that year was mental health and mental health and mental health for dispatchers because of the stress of the job. And one of the biggest things for dispatchers is that you're sitting in a seat on a radio but there's stressors that happen and you don't get up and alleviate all that adrenaline your body just had because of the sound of an officer's voice the sound of a caller's voice um, the sound of a crash i mean there's just all kinds of different things right it's mm -hmm. different for everyone um but what that what happens is there'll be a really big cortisol buildup and it's terrible for you. And so that's one of the things um, that every dispatcher has to deal with. But if you think about it along the lines of dispatcher, law officer, ex-military or veteran, however you want to call it, in the whole process of training to be an officer or training to be a dispatcher or training to be a soldier it's adapt and overcome right and it's things are done way and you oh, like all basic training really is is mind over matter mind over matter you know so you're talking about the most resilient people that you could be dealing with when you talk about CNP exams, 
and we are resilient. We mm-hmm. did make it home, but that does not mean that there's not a big scar or a scratch or a deep wound that we can just keep saying, oh, we just got to adapt and overcome, you know, 18 years. When I tell them, I lit this lady, I told her, I every answer started with, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't slept. I sleep 60 to 90 minutes. Like, that's my response to everything. I don't sleep. I lay down for eight hours and I probably get a total of four to five hours of sleep a night at best. And she's just, you know, like you, you literally say the same response every time. And it feels like you're not getting across, but you just have to keep saying the same thing. And, and then that wears on you because you're like, you know, well, I mean, how long I've been doing no sleep for 18 years. It surely can't be that big of a deal, but it, it is. A big it deal. Is. It's terrible for you. It is. It's terrible for you. It could, you know, the lasting effects. I'm extremely obese. Uh, I mean, by all sorts of the matter, I'm a functioning alcoholic. Um, just due to the amount of alcohol I can consume on a day off, even if it's only one or two days off, it's terrible on all of your vital organs, your, mm-hmm. you know, orally, your esophagus, your stomach. I mean, you know, it touches everything, your liver. And then what's adapt and overcome? Oh, well, I get my blood screenings at the veteran, uh, the VA every year. So I probably shouldn't drink for probably about 14 days before I, my liver enzymes will, will meet the threshold between five and 50, or if it's 52 or 48, you know, you know, I'll feel like I passed, but are, but are you really passing? <laughs> you right. Know? Uh, crazy. Oh, that there's something to be said about that. Like for us to chat more about and inform people about like the effects that it really does have on you physically and how like people with PTSD, like are two times more likely to like die of these certain things. But what, we got to end on a positive note here today, Perry. Positive note. Yeah, you, you know, something? I, I got something. The positive note is I have one more CNP exam. I'm two of three done. And I know there'll be reviews down the line. And I positively hope that I was able to articulate the effects that Iraq has had on me that 18 years later, and I won't have to go through a whole lot more exams. But as you know, I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm just like, I'm completing it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It's going better than last time, Jen, because this doctor didn't give me the slap on the butt and the attaboy. She literally said, this is a great way to end. She literally said, Mr. Perry, I might get emotional here. Mr. Perry, I'm so sorry for the lasting effects that this experience has had on you. There's no way you could have ever known. And you and I both know. You're absolutely right. And that is a good thing to end on because when you have people like that, that that make statements like that and they see that it means a lot we really had no idea the effects it would have on us our family 
our kids, but the fact that there are people starting to learn about it and bring more awareness to it, as I hope that we will be able to do the same. Um, hopefully we can just be world changers, even if it's just a very, very small piece.